we're looking at Advent texts from the lectionary. The lectionary, you may know, is a set of texts that churches around the country and around the world read, Methodist, Episcopalian, Anglican, Presbyterian, and it's based on the Revised Common Lectionary, and it goes through the church year where you, they select certain texts that everyone does, everyone uh, preaches on, uh, on really to have it mapped out for the whole year. I like to dip into the lectionary this time of year with Advent, uh, and I think in Lent I often do it too, besides preaching through books. So this is the lectionary text from the Revised Common Lectionary for Advent 2, the second week of Advent, from the prophet Isaiah. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice of one calling. In the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level. The rugged places, a plain. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed. And all people will see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, cry out. And I say, what shall I cry out? All people are like grass. And all their faithfulness is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers, the flowers fall because the breath of the Lord blows on them. Surely the people are grass, the grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of our God endures forever. You who bring good news to Zion, go up on a high mountain. You who bring good news to Jerusalem, lift up your voice with a shout, lift it up, do not be afraid. Say to the towns of Judah, here is your God. See, the sovereign Lord comes with power and he rules with a mighty arm. See, his reward is with him and his recompense accompanies him. He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. God always blesses the reading of God's holy word. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this text. Lord, be our teacher today. Thank you for the good news of great joy for all people which we anticipate, which we look to in your arrival. Thank you for Advent. As someone said, if Lent is like house cleaning, Advent is like getting the house ready for a party. We thank you for your party faithfulness, for your promises of good news to party about, great joy in a broken world. Oh, we need you. Come, Lord. Come, Lord. Come as only you can. And I pray now that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts would be pure and acceptable in your sight, O oh Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, yesterday we did a thing. We uh, drove to Leavenworth. Um, spontaneously yesterday afternoon, I said to Jill and the kids, hey, let's go to Leavenworth. It's gonna snow up there. And it did. And I drove through it. I drove uh, over a snowy 
pass, not once, but twice yesterday. And I have to admit, um, as we were getting up in there, there, I knew they were predicting snow. Uh, not, you know, feet, but 8 to 12 inches, winter storm warning. Um, uh, so I knew the passes were open when I started. And, but was I a little tempted to turn back when we got up to maybe like Skycomish? Yeah, I was a little wee bit tempted. But we kept at it. And let me tell you what. Two words, Subaru Crosstrek. Uh, that thing eats snow. With a little help from Goodyear Assurance Weather Ready Tires, which I can assure you they're not sponsoring the pulpit today, but they're really good. Um, Goodyear Assurance Weather Ready Tires. Yeah, it was amazing how well, um, you know, with caution and uh, with a little help from snow plows, but it was snow covered. But it's amazing how well the, that, that vehicle did in the snow. Same goes with our worldview. How does your worldview handle the snow or the storms or whatever befalls you? You know, that's a good question when we think about living in a multicultural, multi-religious pluralistic context like we have in our wonderful country where people have the freedom to worship and believe as they see fit. And we have the call to share what we believe. As we dialogue with people about what they believe and compare and contrast love, with love and respect, but also with faithfulness uh, to what we believe and why we're so excited about what we believe. And one of the key questions to ask is, how does your vehicle of your faith, your worldview, handle the steep mountains during the intense snow or whatever life throws at you? How does it handle your own missteps? Is your worldview weather ready for the storms? Ours is. Ours is. Our Isaiah passage tells us exactly that. Our Christian faith, as uh, described here in Isaiah, gives us four key weather-ready elements. Realism, comfort, words from God, and all of that combines for a proclamation. First, the realism of our faith that gets us ready for the world and for our worst selves. Our words from Isaiah talk about hard times coming for Israel. This passage from Isaiah was written 200 years before the hard times even hit. But Isaiah doesn't flinch about what is coming. He says words like hard service, payment for sin. He's honest. He tells us people are grass, and the grass withers, and the flowers fall. So we get a perspective that is unflinchingly realistic, even 200 years out from when the consequences will hit. I've said it before, I'll say it again. Israel is us. We've got problems too. Our frailty, our rebellion, we wither. You ever wither this past week 
fall? Anybody fall this past week? Hopefully not literally, but in your own faith, in your own missteps and rebellion, lose your way. We've got problems. Scripture doesn't flinch from telling us the real story about ourselves in our present and in our past. Writer David Brooks recently commented, we are living in brutalizing times. Scenes of mass savagery pervade the media. Americans have become vicious toward one another amid our disagreements. Everywhere I go, David writes, people are coping with an avalanche of negative emotions, shock, pain, contempt, anger, anxiety, fear. David Brooks looks to history for insight in dealing with this. He continues, the ancient Greeks knew about violent violent times. The ancients, the ancient Greeks knew about violent times. They lived with frequent wars between city-states and massacres and mass rape. In response, they adopted what Brooks calls a tragic sensibility. This sensibility begins with the awareness that the crust of civilization is thin. Isn't that, isn't that a good way to put it? The crust of civilization is thin. We wither. David writes, breakdowns into barbarism are the historic norm. Don't fool yourself into believing that you're living in some modern age too enlightened for hatred to take over. In these circumstances, everybody has a choice, Brooks writes. You can try to avoid thinking about the dark realities of life and naively wish that bad things won't happen. Or you can confront these realities and develop what Brooks calls a tragic mentality to help you thrive among them. And he goes on in this really interesting piece to describe the way the realism of the ancient Greeks sets them and us up for being able to navigate. Well, there's good stuff there. I think his piece is kind of brilliant. I'll return to it, I'm sure, again and again. I love David Brooks. But our Hebrew prophet Isaiah offers something far better. And Brooks, who recently converted to Christianity, probably knows this too. If the center of Greek thought is how the tragic can instruct us, the center of Hebrew thought is how God can embrace a tragic people. Because the God who punishes Israel, who who gives them over to their worst selves, is also their comforter and their redeemer. So here we move from the realism of the withering, thin crust of civilization into the comforter. The second point of our faith that Isaiah talks about that readies us for any weather. The comfort of our faith. Comfort. Comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly. I think two huge kind of a two-headed monster that we're dealing with now in our culture are anxiety and anger. I mean, how much of our internal struggles, how much of what goes on out there that is so catastrophic and to even 
tearing apart families and neighborhoods and communities, how much of that comes down at some level to anxiety and anger. The antidote is God's comfort. He does it by paying for our sins in Jesus Christ and by reminding his people here that though they have already paid for their sins, the ultimate payment of that in the Messiah is yet to come. The Bible clearly teaches that Israel's captivity to Babylon is God's punishment because of Israel's sins. And that captivity, again, is, is up ahead yet, even as Isaiah, Isaiah is, for, is telling them, hey, you're gonna be delivered. The stuff they've been delivered, they're gonna be delivered from hasn't even happened yet. So this is a, a forecast of God's deliverance from punishment even before God's punishment comes. In Isaiah's first chapter, though, we're told that God is gonna punish Israel for his sins, saying that, saying that the once faithful city has become a prostitute. So again, with the realism, but on the heels of that, comfort. God now announces that's over. God declares through Isaiah that God accepts Israel's hardship of captivity as atonement. And again, this is a glimpse of how the punishment will turn out before the punishment itself is even given. And here's the grace. Here's the comfort. Sometimes it's easy to think God is surprised by the ways we've messed up or by the ways we're gonna mess up. We think we can shock God as if God is up there saying, oh no, he or she's really blown it this time. What am I gonna do? Israel blows it. But God in grace still has a plan. And in this is great comfort. It's a comfort that comes through the realism. Where have you blown it? Present or past? Or who has blown it with you currently or in the past? What are you anxious about? Either from your externals or from your internals. What are you angry about? Either from your externals or your internals. Each of us will face consequences of our spiritual and moral failure in life, but God in grace still has a plan. That's the comfort. It's the comfort on the other side of the realism. And that is what makes us truly all weather ready people. God does not flinch in describing our failures. We are Israel, but God does not abandon us to our failures. That is great comfort. Receiving this all-weather-ready faith that comes in realism and comfort means the third point, receiving the words God gives us. Those realisms and those comforts come in the form of words. The grass withers and the flowers fall. Civilization's crust is super thin, but... The word of our God endures forever. We don't conjure this story here that we have in scripture. We receive it. God sent prophets to speak for him. God inspires the writers of scripture to speak on his behalf. And in these words, we hear incredible claims like this. Every valley shall be raised up 
Every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level. The rugged places a plain and the glory of the Lord will be revealed. Words like that renovate our hearts. Words like that reorient our vision. You know, life disorients us. Our travels last night over the pass in the snowstorm, when you get that kind of blinding snow, you know, you need help to navigate. Thankful for our new our GPS. It's amazing. Even our, our phones where you can get on the Google Maps. GPS will tell you what your out what your elevation is, which is really helpful for me for knowing when I was gonna get to the pass and the most intense part of the snow and the weather. I needed to keep my eyes there. And then even help me see the curves that were coming ahead. Well, scripture does that and more. The Holy Spirit and community are essential partners in receiving God's enduring words that make us weather ready in our faith. If the idea of receiving God's enduring words is new to you, or even if it's not, even if it's just hard or you maybe have gotten away from it, ask the Holy Spirit for help to make these words come alive. Or, and, well, and, I should say, and, ask the Holy Spirit for help, and seek out a small group in which you can hear and receive the words and struggle and ask questions of the words together. I'm in a couple of Zoom theology groups, and they're amazing. And when I hear my mentor, one of my mentors, theologian Dr. Marty Folsom, who lives up in Camino Island, when I hear his voice talking about the gospel and the God of Isaiah, you know, whom we believe, the God revealed in Jesus Christ, the good news of the gospel, it rejuvenates and reorients me and, and infuses my journey with the Lord. I need that. Whether it's sitting in my office and, and being in my, my couple Zoom groups or in a cafe or at home, being with my uh, friends. I'm in a uh, men's group and we meet and share and tell uh, stories of our lives and I hear the word of God come alive in their stories. That's essential. Community and the Holy Spirit are essential in receiving God's enduring word of hope and realism so that I can be weather ready in my faith. The grass withers, Isaiah says. The flowers fall, Isaiah says. Civilization's crest is thin, David Brooks says, but the word of our God endures forever. The more we receive God's enduring words, the more we see life in a whole new light. The more our anxieties yield to comfort, the more our anger yields to grace, and the more we do that, and the more we let that into us, the more it's likely to come out of us. And this is the fourth point, the realism, the comfort, the enduring words of God to make us weather ready, and then the proclamation that comes out of us. This is what Isaiah 40 describes in verse nine. You who bring good news to Zion, go up on a high mountain. You who bring good news to Jerusalem, lift up your voice with a shout. Lift it up, do not be afraid. Say to the towns of Judah, here is your God. In the realism, the comfort, and words we get 
from God, we have good news to tell. Oh, much is tearing at people these days. David Brooks is right, as others have commented too. And there is much wisdom out there to be had from a variety of sources, including the Greeks. David Brooks is right. But in the gospel, we have the best good news. Verse 10, see the sovereign Lord comes with power and his arm rules for him. That's transcendence. God is large and in charge and he's coming. See his reward is with him and his recompense accompany him. That's atonement and grace ultimately pointing to Jesus. Verse 11, he tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms. That's the love of the Father. And carries them close to his heart. That's imminence. God is transcendent, large and in charge. God's imminent, super close. He gently leads those that have young. That's biblical personalism. God is super close and super personal. It's not the Aristotelian um, unmoved mover. This is God close. Even, even to the mess that we are. On my way up <clears throat> the mountain yesterday, driving our dear family to a wonderful time in Leavenworth, we saw cars spun out in the center of the road. We saw people on the side, you know, making their way. They're okay, but they're just trying to maybe get their chains on or whatever. Let's face it, there's a lot of cars on the side of the road out there, if you know what I mean. It's easy to slip, slide, get stuck, or worse, not just literally, metaphorically, in various ways in our lives. A lot of wrecks. I mean, have you noticed? We travel through these storms, and you see brokenness, broken people, families, relationships, lives. We travel as God's people, not just with Goodyear assurance tires, but with gospel assurance, grace. Ready for any weather, ready to offer hope. As Isaiah gives the good news, we say it, we sing it. In our pre-service prayer this morning, our pastor of Next Gen Ministries, Jim Buren, was saying that they're teaching the children to sing in kids' church. Children learning to sing. Little ones proclaiming through song. St. Augustine said, he or she who sings prays twice. I love that. Singing creates space like nothing else. It's where we shout the good news. We did it last Sunday evening at the cantata. Woo! It was shouting here and the place was packed. People are yearning to hear the good news. In Advent, we make space to be reminded of the, the realism of our mess that we're in and the crashes and the roadside debacles we've got going on. We make space to hear the comfort of God who loves us transcendently and imminently and personally. We hear that through the words that endure and when we make space to hear it so that we can proclaim it. And it all begins with hearing Isaiah's call, a voice of one calling, in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain made low, the rough ground shall become level, the rugged places plain, the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all people will see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. 
The picture of rough land here is likely based on the rough terrain as one approaches Israel from the east. But the road here is not the road for Israel to return home to Israel from Babylon. The language here is about a road for God. Scholar J. Alec Martin points out in his wonderful commentary that the idea of a road for God combines the ancient picture of the Lord coming to his people's aid with the practice of constructing processional ways for the use of dignitaries. The Lord's road is to be straight, level, and free of obstacle. He will arrive without fail, travel without difficulty, and be undelayed by hindrances. Are you and I making a way for that realism from God to arrive in our lives, telling us the truth about ourselves and our world? Are you and I making a way for the comfort of God and the tender voice of God to arrive in our lives, telling us of his grace and hope? Are you and I making space for the words to even hear that in the enduring word of scripture in groups and through the Holy Spirit? And are you and I making a way to share that proclamation? What do you and I need to do to get out of the way or get something out of the way in our lives from hearing this realism, comfort, realistic and comforting words that we can proclaim. Of course, ultimately in our text, this language is owned in the Gospels by John the Baptist, the predecessor of the Lord. John heralds this same language, prepare the way in preparation for Christ. So let's be clear, ultimately the one who comes down this road is the Lord Jesus Christ. And he has arrived, he is arriving, and he will arrive again and again. Make a place for him. Lent, as someone said, is about cleaning up your lives. Advent is about getting ready for a party, right? A gathering, you could say. Where and how can you and I do that to hear the words of realism, comfort, the story and the enduring words of God so that we may proclaim it for all who need it? including ourselves. May it be so for you and me. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, let us pray. Lord, thank you for Isaiah. Fill us with your spirit of realism, of comfort, of your enduring, unstoppable, rearranging, reorienting, renovating words that we might share it as a proclamation with a world in desperate need. Come Holy Spirit, draw us deeper this Advent in and through and for your arrival. And all God's people said, amen.